Hello and welcome to Pitch Black, the show that discusses soccer in African American and black culture nationally, locally, and around the world. I'm your host and creator, Matt Wilson, and today we're going to talk about three important topics, uh, black banks and the loans um, by the MLS, uh, Apple TV being the new broadcasting uh, sharing rights holder of the MLS, and something near and dear to me, USL in NOLA. We'll be right back. All right, we're going to get things started off with Apple TV being the new broadcast rights hold, holder, at least for next season for the MLS. Um, now, I know that may not seem, and it probably isn't exclusive to uh, African-American and black culture. Uh, I just know from a personal experience, I am an uh, Android user, so please uh, don't, don't uh, you know, send any bad letters or any messages. Uh, my Android probably can't really process them from your Apple iPhones, but we'll admit Apple um, it is a big uh, product, um, very popular product, you know, not just among the black community, but amongst mankind in general. Uh, but for the sake of, uh, of the argument, it is, you know, very important um, as far as what's being used. People love Apple uh, iPhones um, and we'll get the new one. At any time and so how does this relate to uh, the topic of Apple getting uh, the MLS um, so it's exposure exposure I've mentioned this in other podcasts before in other episodes that um, it's not so much the sport itself is how it's brought out there you can have a product that's it tastes good or looks good in every sense of the term is good it's probably the most perfect or nearest perfect product or service that you that can be offered in mankind but if the word is not out there it can be considered a failure uh, it can be taken over by something that is you know inferior um, you know uh, for example taste test Pepsi is always done better than coke but coke consistently out um, advertises its product uh, over Pepsi and people will still buy Coke even if they just did a taste test and said that Pepsi tasted better um, not you know no no uh, no shade thrown to Pepsi but advertising works getting your word out there really matters um, currently um, the uh, MLS is in its last year of its contract with ESPN um, and they were looking for a very hefty uh, a hefty boost in in their broadcasting deals because obviously that would give the chance to trickle down to their players where they can have larger um, salary caps, larger salaries to bring um, uh, players over from uh, large leagues in Europe and all around the rest of the world. Um, it wasn't their new deal with Apple TV wasn't quite as big. It it still reached. It still reached a lot more than what you know people expected, but it was still a lot less uh, per year. But it, it works out. So uh, just looking it up right now. Sorry for the delay. Uh, their deal contract uh, deal with uh, with a Apple uh, to MLS is two point five billion dollars over ten years. So that's two hundred fifty million dollars a year. Uh, which is much better than what they were getting, which was 90 million a year 
uh, which is nothing. Uh, it's very, very low. So 250 million a year is considerably higher, and obviously they can leverage that after um, after 10 years into uh, a higher contract deal. So that matters because I currently have ESPN Plus. I have the whole Disney bundle package, which I'm sure a lot of people do, and. Uh, there are games that I would love to see. There are games, obviously, like the El Trafico, which is LAFC, that's Los, Los Angeles Football Club versus uh, LA Galaxy. Um, you know, other big names around close by. I want to see Inter Miami versus Atlanta United because I'm from the South. I want to see nearby local teams. And usually, when it's the top teams, your NYCFC versus New York Red Bulls, those type of games are usually limited to ESPN now yes you can just say well why not just get ESPN and also have ESPN plus well that's an extra cost um, and waiting a day to watch a game can be very very difficult because you have your Saturday or your Sunday set to watch that game and MLS and soccer in general will have games throughout the week so it's hard to to always gauge that especially gauging it to where you may have to watch that the next day the next night um by apple buying uh the contract for the next 10 years at 2.5 billion there will be no blackouts uh it's not dependent on you know if this stadium is sold out it's not dependent on well are you in this area it's you want to watch it you get to watch it the day of uh and that includes their uh I guess you could call it development leagues, uh, MLS Next, uh, MLS Next Pro. Um, I would say the only drawback is, unfortunately, Apple TV did not get the USL. That could be down the pipeline. I think that will be great for them to be uh, the center of American soccer by having that. Uh, and they can compete with um, Peacock as far as them having the Premier League or um, Paramount having uh, the Serie A. League One, and I think ESPN will still have La Liga, but that that may uh, still jump around. So, um, back to the point of this really helps out because Apple TV, from what I I didn't even realize it, Apple TV is five bucks a month. Everyone, five bucks a month. No, I am not sponsored by Apple TV. Uh, only Apple product I have is this tablet that I'm using to record right now. I am not an Apple person, but I will definitely, definitely get Apple TV a subscription because I want to watch those games and the easier they make it for me to watch it the the more seamless it is to press the button on my remote turn it on and the game that I want to see is already there uh, the game that I'm getting notifications from my MLS app on my phone is there the easier it is for me to want to keep following it, it's you know I want to be inundated with it to the point it's a part of my natural habit to watch um, to watch uh, MLS on Apple TV. And uh, with that, a little side note, I have just started to watch a TV show on Apple TV, um, Ted Lasso. Uh, I know I'm very late to the party, but I'm very happy that I've been watching it. It is great to kind of show that um, cultural gap between uh, our American you know, culture and uh, football values, I guess you could say with um soccer slash football you know values uh overseas so definitely watch that so 
next year be ready get that apple tv subscription it may come free with your apple iphone i'm sure all of you are getting new phones on a regular basis anyway um and uh if not like i said uh 4.99 a month you can watch uh, the mls and be a big supporter of that Alright, our next topic that I wanted to talk about was the MLS leveraging uh, Black Bank. So, uh, just saw an article that came out, um, actually sorry, I just saw an article, uh, article that came out a couple of months ago uh, saying MLS takes out $25 million loan from Black Bank Syndicate as part of new partnership. Um, this means a lot to me because there are times where uh, things are happening um, in the country or around the world and unfortunately there are companies that become grifters uh they just kind of latch on to a cause just for the sake of being popular there's nothing really being done about it um and i've seen a lot of times where somebody will say you know support black businesses and um and they don't support them um i'm more so of yeah support black businesses if they're good <laughs> so you know support good businesses regardless but um mls is obviously putting their money where their mouth is or they're putting the black businesses money where mls's mouth is because mls is taking out that loan um and it's basically you know uh it's it is a historic 25 million dollar loan um as an exclusive partnership uh basically the loan will be facilitated facilitated by the nonprofit. National Black Bank Foundation and NBBF. Uh, please take a look at that if you want to learn more about it. Um, it's pretty much uh, organized by uh, New York-based Carver Federal Savings Bank, Citizens Trust Bank. I'm sure a lot of people may have heard about uh, Citizens Trust Bank. They're a bit more um, uh, prevalent in the South. And it it does give the opportunity to at least show that your efforts as a black person is being seen uh, you still have to be a productive a, a good business obviously these two black banks are not just running the mills they're not doing things incorrectly um, they're doing what they need to do but it is good to see the MLS actually take that step and let people know we're not just going to slap you know um, you know uh, uh, black history month or you know Juneteenth things on our jerseys we're not just going to say this we're not just going to you know come out with a statement and say hey you know we we support diversity you know as far as ethnicity we're going to actually do something about it we're going to show that we're looking for that and people may have mixed you know feelings about this people may still say oh this is still griftering and as i said earlier i've seen grifting this is a good first step um there will be no, no perfect um action taken to ple uh, ple uh sorry to appease everyone 
uh, but this is definitely a good one as far as the black community um, because let's be honest black banks are very very hard to find they're very very hard to find um, there were actually there's actually a bunch of black banks uh, in the New Orleans area that I didn't know of um, so people are looking for that uh, to where it hopefully it's banks that um, are investing into their community as well not just for the sake of you know only making money for themselves to and, and forget about the community um, so look that up in VBF um, uh, they are also collaborating with uh, 100 Black Men of America, National Coalition of 100 Black Women and Black Players for Change to continue to increase um, the awareness of black banks and educate their constituents on the opportunities these banks can provide to the black community through economic empowerment. Um, so that even includes you want to take a loan out, you want to invest in something. Uh, and a lot of times people feel like there are banks, uh, major banks that are uh, restricting their discriminatory and I won't say that they are I won't say all are I won't say um, you know I can't say that all are discriminatory or not uh, that's for each individual's position but there are options and that is one of the beautiful things about this country there are options there are things that we may not like but there are options and this is the option and the opportunity that you can take as a black person to develop something to work on your business, to invest in your business, to invest in someone else's business. Um, so like I say, I'm happy to see uh, the MLS and hopefully other uh, leagues and organizations do the same thing and um, extend their hand, uh, you know, not just verbally, but in a financial sense to where it's more concrete. Alright, welcome back and now into the primary part of this podcast, USL to NOLA. That would be the United Soccer League to New Orleans, where I currently live and where I'm from for all my life. Um, just for those who don't know, uh, and if you do know, great, uh, the USL is considered the second tier level, primarily the USL Championship is the second tier level of soccer in the United States, um, MLS being uh, the top league and uh, the reason why this is so exciting for me and actually the biggest reason for me publishing another podcast after so long um, over the past month or so uh, I've talked to one of our local um, lower level soccer team uh, coaches slash owners um, of the New Orleans Jesters and he's mentioned some things as far as a USL team potentially coming to New Orleans uh, personally, I would have loved for that team that's already been established for almost 20 years to have been that team, but the more the merrier, and uh, I look forward to seeing uh, multiple teams exist um, collectively without any team having to uh, disappear because one has become so dominant. So I just wanted to go over a couple of things uh, of why this is uh, also so important. 
Um, so first thing is, uh, I guess I would see it's the I told you so sex section of this podcast, um, the predictions years ago. And I, I, it's not exclusive to me. Everybody he has, and anyone that's a soccer, soccer fan in the United States or, sorry, in New Orleans, has predicted that or had a wish that a professional soccer team would come to New Orleans. Um, while the uh, fan fanship or the fan following isn't as large as places, say, Seattle, uh, Nashville, Houston, or any large major city, uh, there is a, um, a history of soccer in New Orleans and a desire. Um, what I had felt for so long, as even as a newer soccer fan, was that while we didn't have a lot of people that knew about soccer and weren't soccer fans per se, there were a lot of people that are sports fans. I use the the analogy all the time that more than half, if not half, more than half of the people that go to Saints games have never played football and have never coached football. But why are they still selling out a seventy-two to seventy-five thousand seat stadium every Sunday? Um, because it's an experience. Uh, it's definitely an experience in uh, a party. Uh, and people like to be around something that brings other people together. And New Orleans being a, a semi-mid-sized city, yes, we support an NFL team primarily through a lot of the population throughout Louisiana and the Gulf Coast. Uh, we also more so or less uh, pr um, support an NBA team in the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, so is there room for... A soccer team and uh, it, it's gonna be a biased answer but yes yes uh, those two seasons pretty much stretch throughout the uh, fall to winter seasons uh, and also the winter to spring seasons leaving a huge void in the summertime uh, in New Orleans and I'll get into why that's so important later but uh, the prediction was years ago and also the hope was uh, winning the lottery to start a team myself, but as as I saw this article, I was very happy that not only was it uh, a team that would be started in New Orleans, uh, was expected by 2025, uh, it's not just a run-of-the-mill, not just oh, a billionaire that just wants to uh, throw money out there. It's someone experienced um, and someone that has helped start up other soccer teams such as LAFC out in Los Angeles. Um, so, the first uh, or the second part of why it's important is the location, um, inner city versus the suburb. Um, and I initially struggled with um, this because you want to see, many people want to see things uh, occur for the inner city. But my take on it is that this would be detrimental, not because... Um, the inner city part of New Orleans has its uh, crime issues, uh, regardless of uh, the racial makeup in the inner city. It's more so, being from here, uh, New Orleans does not have the best record on building things on time. Um, it's whether it's uh, corrupt or just complacency. Uh, there were some, there's always some um, uh, 
3D design or uh, image mock-up of this being built here in New Orleans, this being built there, and it usually never happens. Uh, one of my first jobs was the uh, Six Flags uh, Jazzland out of New Orleans East, uh, which had been built uh, early uh, or late in the 19, uh, 1990s. Um, and... Uh, Obviously, Katrina affected that, and the renewal of that area has essentially taken since 2005. Uh, it's still in the very bad condition, only being used for uh, movies such as Jurassic Park, Zombieland, and stuff like that. But finally, there's more concrete plans to do something there. But still, 2015, I mean 2005, and it's currently 2022. So. We, we try to take things with a grain of salt whenever there's a promise of something built near the convention center, built downtown, uh, built uh, to bring tourism in New Orleans because it doesn't happen or it doesn't happen within the time frame that is said um, by a long shot. Whereas the neighboring area of uh, Metairie, Jefferson Parish, uh, it's pretty much the neighboring county, but we call them parishes, um, already has a stadium that's being used for uh, our other professional team, the NOLA Gold, which is a part of the Major League Rugby uh, um, uh, sector. And it's a stadium that has previously been used by our um, AAA uh, baseball team that had gone defunct. So we have a stadium already built. We have a field already built. We have parking. It's literally right across the street from the headquarters of the New Orleans Pelicans slash New Orleans Saints. Um, there's multiple uh, areas to drive to it and get it in and out. It's not a, uh, it would not cause much infrastructure uh, need in order to make it um, professional ready. Uh, and also, I'm just tired, tired of taxpayer money being used for to build a stadium. Um, and I don't think at this time, uh, during this type of economy, build, taxing um, citizens in New Orleans uh, anymore just to build a stadium in, in New Orleans is going to help out compared to there literally being one less than three miles away from the center of New Orleans. Um, so with, with that seriousness uh, aside, the um, economic impact that I feel it would have um, as I never want to automatically assume that a sports team automatically brings money. Um, I do feel that a sports team that does it right, where they're not automatically asking for subsidies and tax handouts, um, are in a better position, or at least in my point of view, uh, to help out the, the local economy without draining it through taxes or tax credits um, we as I mentioned before we New Orleans does not have a, a sports team throughout the summer and I understand there's other ways that it, it makes money uh, through different festivals and we have become almost inundated with festivals and it, it's it not it's not a bad thing but as a local uh, seeing so many local things grow can be bittersweet it, it's it's great because you get more people coming into town. You get more uh, revenue, um, tax revenue uh, through tourism. But you also lose the 
historical uh, local festivals that were just the locals. It was it were uh, local things such as jazz fest. Um, so by having this, uh, by having a soccer team that runs uh, essentially through late March or, or early April through the summer, um, even until that would be September, I'm assuming, uh, would be great. Because yes, you would still get people coming in from home game uh, for for away games for them, and you would give people something to do. Um, as I mentioned earlier, ha having uh, nothing to do during the summer, especially for youth, uh, can be very very dangerous, and that tends to be our highest um, area, our highest season season of crime. Because um, when you have nothing to do. Uh, you, you tend to try to find the wrong things to do um, and I just believe that the more opportunities you give uh, uh, youth couples community groups uh, things to do it, it creates a consensus uh, consen consistent sorry uh, sense of community uh, throughout the year and not just you know during the, the football season uh, so I think the outreach there should be um, not just going to the soccer moms or the soccer families. It's going to all the families. I, I personally would have loved to see it, and I do plan on uh, essentially piggybacking on um, this new development and establishing um, soccer parks slash uh, Pana events. And that would be, as I mentioned in previous podcasts, uh, urban soccer park where they go to different areas uh, pretty much half the time it's blighted areas um, where it gives um, youth something to do uh, teach them gives them the resources to learn soccer um, built in areas that are usually just kind of forgotten um, they may not have the green space to have an official field so you can have a hard court um, that's uh, laid in under um, interstate highways um, uh, and, and other areas like that so that way it's consistently accessible gives them the opportunity to learn the game practice the game and as I said uh, maybe even for events where the uh, soccer teams such as our Crescent City FC New Orleans Jesters and in the future this USL team can go out into those neighborhoods that don't get the advantage of uh, or have the financial um, advantage of going to soccer academies. They can get those professional players coming to them and really showing that this is an extremely viable option as a sport, um, just as any other uh, of the other mainstream sports. Um, so that way the diversity is actually shown and, and not just talked about. Um, so that's, the, that's some of the outreach that I would love to do, and maybe there'll be other people doing it as well. I, I don't mind competition as long as the word gets out there, the opportunity gets out there to um, teach kids uh, of different socioeconomic and um, racial backgrounds uh, about the game of soccer. So with that being said, going into a little bit of the marketing and design uh there's as with many times we when we've had sports teams uh join here and go defunct uh we've had the our minor league hockey team in new orleans called the new orleans brass we had our arena football team the new orleans voodoo 
Uh, we had the New Orleans Zephyrs, which became the New Orleans Baby Cakes, um, which was not really um, a favorite of the locals. Uh, we currently have the Nola Gold, which is a great name. Um, I think that's great because it, when you go to the etymology of New Orleans, taking out the term New Orleans, essentially derives from the term Golden. Uh, so hence Nola Gold. Um, no, that's not why the New Orleans Saints are black and gold. That actually has to deal with oil. Um, and that's a whole nother topic. So, and most recently, obviously, we've had the New Orleans Pelicans, which seems silly until it didn't. Um, so we've had crazy names such as, you know, suggestions for soccer teams before. Uh, the Riverboat Gamblers, which was actually a soccer team we had in New Orleans. Uh, the New Orleans Storm. Uh, another favorite is the New Orleans Crew, obviously spelled with a K because uh, there's a group gathering uh, primarily for Mardi Gras. Um, and those are all fine. Um, I, I, I never want to knock anyone anyone's um, opinion of a name because, like I said earlier, something can seem silly until it's not. Um, and I had actually done a, a little bit of on-the-ground research trying to find something that's a part of New Orleans that really gives it a name um, that it's not the usual party-like name. It's great that we have festivals. It's great that we are a city that welcomes people from around the world. We can hold such a large um, scale event such as Mardi Gras, Jazz Fest, Essence Fest, Voodoo Fest, and more. Um, but there's a lot more history to this city just than uh, the party. Um, so one of the names I decided uh, on was uh, the Nola Rampart. And I know that's not, you know, and may go off as what in the world is a rampart? What what's what does that mean? Um, so we have a primary street um, called uh, Rampart Street. It goes through um, to downtown uh, into our main street, Canal Street, um, and a large portion of uh, Rampart Street uh, was uh, African American neighborhoods uh, uh, for for many many decades. Um, actually, probably at least a century. And it has become a, a bit more gentrified now uh, because certain areas are considered prime places to be because it is relatively close to um, the city center. Um, so I went on a deep dive as far as what is a rampart. Um, and I actually brought me to the nearby Shellmat Battlefield uh, where the Battle of New Orleans was uh, fought. And the ramparts were um, uh, a Fortitudes uh, built from earth, mud, cypress planks, uh, cotton bales, and built by free men of color, slaves, built by, you know, uh, uh, indigenous people, built by essentially people of all um, creeds, uh, you know, ethnicities and backgrounds under the, um, under the direction of uh, Andrew Jackson. And, you know, a lot of times I know that gets a bad connotation, but... It, it's their common goal was a common enemy, a, a superpower, fighting off the British again um, during the uh, War of 1812, and this would have been around uh, 1814, uh, as far as the Battle of New Orleans, and just seeing something, you know, that was very pivotal. This was a, a team that, uh, sorry, this is a fight, 
a fighting force, a, a army that had to go against uh, the British, who were still a superpower, and ended up, you know, slaughtering most of them. Even though they were heavily outnumbered, about two thousand to to uh, ten to ten thousand, uh, give or take. Um, and it, they were the massive underdogs, but it was them coming together, regardless of their backgrounds, um, all as uh, all as equal. Uh, they were even. You know, even uh, slaves were that had fought were given um, their freedom uh, through doing so. Uh, so I, I like that name, uh, Nola Rampart, uh, Nola Rampart at FC. Um, you know, so that way, it, it, that it, you know, it is something that shows that we protect this town, we protect it from all outside forces. Um, you know, kind of reminiscent of our levees is something that protects us from. Uh, storm surges um, and also just uh, the phrase of you know over these ramparts we watch uh, I know it's over the ramparts we watch but you know over these ramparts we'd watch and show that we're all in this together this is not just you know for white fans it's not just for black fans this is for our Vietnamese friends uh, fans this is for our Honduran um, population and, and, and any other this is for our fans that have grown up, you know, with soccer in their blood. And this is for our fans that just heard about this and want to be a part of it. So, um, as I said earlier, this is uh, the USL uh, to Noel is looking for a 2025 start, obviously, to kind of get a boost uh, from the excitement of the 2026 World Cup in the United States. So, I just want to say I am so happy for it. I look forward to to seeing them um, I'm sure they'll do it the right way um, win lose or draw literally I know I'll be a supporter and I'm looking to buy my season tickets already so if you are ever in New Orleans during the summer yes you can stop by for beignets go to the quarter get a, a po' boy go to a jazz fest go to Bourbon Street but if anything else if you don't do any of those at least at least come to a soccer game in New Orleans. I'm sure you'll enjoy it and we'd love to have you here. Alright listeners, that's all I have for this week. Hopefully I'll be back more consistently. I know I say that often. Uh, I have been going through some health issues and uh, different career moves. Um, so everything's a bit stable now and I definitely want to keep um, doing more research for you. Obviously there will be more um, U.S. Men's National Team events. Major League Soccer, USL, and local things going on. So I want to make sure I get that information to you and share that with you. I do appreciate the fans that I have been able to reach out and converse with. Um, you know, by all means, I know you fans will not agree on everything that I say, and I love that you don't. Um, I look for a diversity of thought, not just uh, saying uh, diversity as a, as a buzzword. Um, quick shout out to uh, uh, Two Cents uh, FC, uh, they are another uh, very, very well done uh, news uh, article and podcasting group. Uh, you can look them up at Two Cents, uh, two, the number Two Cents spelled out, uh, C-E-N-T-S and FC.com. Uh, take a look at what they're talking about. They go into more information, um, more interviews than you know I could at this point. Um, just want to support them and looking forward to kicking with you later. Bye.
Hello and welcome back to another episode of Pitch Black, the show that discusses soccer in African-American and black culture nationally and around the world. I'm your host and creator, Matt Wilson, again, and today we're going to talk about three interesting topics, as we always do. It's mainly going to be heavily focused on USL, USL, with a little dash of MLS and US Open Cup. Stay tuned. <laughs> 